So we are recording. This is um, what Matt has dubbed Request for Comment, episode number two. I'm joined with um, a couple of engineers. Oh, I'm John. I'm an engineer here at Artsy. I work on the Grow team. Um, I'm joined by Pavlos and Devin. Um, Pavlos, do you want to introduce yourself quick? Yep. So my name is Pavlos, like you said, and uh, I'm in uh, the collector experience. Uh, I've been at Artsy for a year, uh, mostly doing mobile stuff. Yeah. How about you, Devin? Hey, happy to be here on the podcast. My name's Devin. I'm on the Find and Explore team at Artsy, which focuses on search and discovery surfaces. Kind of similar to John, your team grows kind of top of the funnel focus area. Yeah, as opposed to the collector experience team, which is more like you've signed up for an account. Maybe you found some artwork at Artsy that you're interested in. And so now you're exploring that or you're interacting with that artwork or whatever else. Um, Pavlos, where in the world are you these days? I am based in the UK right now, in London. Uh, I am from Greece. If that, uh, yeah, I started there, and then while I was working in the beginning in uh, Artsy, I was in the Netherlands, and then I, yeah, now I'm in London. World traveler. I think you also did some time in um, the Middle East, didn't you? During this course, this period during, of quarantine, yeah. <laughs> there was a, a time I moved into UK in November, and then for uh, like three months, I kind of tried to avoid being here because of all of the Corona stuff. So yeah, I did. I spent some time in Greece and also in Dubai and like around, you know. And then now I'm back here. That's cool. Um, I'm bringing that up because Devin has an impending move. Um, we've been doing a lot of hiring in our Berlin office, and there's been some encouragement for U.S.-based engineers to move to Berlin. There's an opportunity there. Um, so I'm curious, Devin, like what made you decide to move and like how did that all come to be? Sure. Um, that's a good question. Um, it just kind of felt like a, like a no-brainer uh, choice, at least for for my situation. Um, so I've been in New York city since 2015. Um, before that I was in Chicago for several years. Um, and you know, I think the pandemic was pretty difficult in New York city, uh, you know, with sure. a city just, that's just so kind of focused on, on going out and, uh, you know, meeting people and, uh, you know, the entertainment industry and, uh, just, you know, concerts and plays and, uh, like that, that's why you're here. It's like for all of those, those benefits and, uh, and people. And so when everything shut down, um, yeah, it was just uh, hard. And, and it, particularly because New York is like one of the more expensive places to live. I mean, you kind of, you know, have this, um, yeah, this, this series of questions like, you know, why, why am I here? Like, what's the value I'm getting out of it? Uh, like, what do I really want, uh, you know, out of where I'm living? Um, and, you know, I personally have wanted to live in, in Europe for uh, a long time. Uh, you know, I have a partner who I um, met in uh, Chicago um, about nine years ago now. Um, and we made that move to New York City together. Um, and oh, okay. I think it was, yeah, when this uh, opportunity came up at Artsy, um, 
I think we both were like, oh yeah, absolutely. Let's just, let's just do that. Um, so, I mean, you already speak the language, so why not? Right. <laughs> Evan does not speak the language. Yeah, absolutely do not know German. Yeah. So that's going to be challenge number one over there. Um, luckily, you know, my partner, Stephanie, um, is way more of the, um, yeah, linguistic enthusiast than I am and already knows, um, French and Spanish. Um, so, you know, we're going to be learning German together and, uh, all of the you know paperwork involved in sorting out the the visa and uh, where we're staying and um, and then just going through like a very different move than uh, logistically than what we have ever had to do before like uh, just shedding uh, of like ninety five percent of all of our belongings and uh, taking over just what can fit into a few select suitcases um, has just been an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> I'm sure. Pavlos, you've you've done some moves across pretty good distances. Do you have any tips for Devin about how to lose some items? Yeah, I was uh, how to lose some <laughs> items. But I mean, I, considering I have some stuff that I carried from Greece to Vienna to Rotterdam to here, I, you know, I'm not the best person to answer this. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about this. You know, maybe you have some tips for me next time. <laughs> um, have you gone the route of like? you know, friends and family, I've got a bunch of stuff who wants something like speak now. Absolutely. I mean, I think there were (laughs) many phases of, um, you know, getting rid of all of our stuff. Um, there was the, yeah, phase of, uh, reaching out to, um, like friends and, um, colleagues, uh, that were in New York that could, you know, conceivably come and pick things up. I don't have any family in the, in the immediate New York city area. So that wasn't much of a, an option for, for us. Um, so, you know, we kind of gave first dibs to, you know, friends and colleagues who were nearby. Um, and then there was like another phase of like reaching out to, uh, my neighbors. Um, I live in a, townhouse in West Harlem, uh, which is in upper Manhattan. And we have, um, let's see, three other units in the, in the building. Um, and I had their, their email addresses from, you know, a previous email from our landlord about probably something very boring, like uh, window guards or, <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah. So I reached out to them and, um, you know, sent them the same like link of, of stuff we were trying to part with. Um, and then just like a lot of Craigslist and uh, I sold a couple things on eBay. Uh, but I mean, I guess the point I'm getting to is that you really have to start really early, you know, to be able to like go through all of these <laughs> takes phases. A while. And yeah, it takes a, takes a while. Um, and, you know, just to compare, like the, the last move I made wasn't too long ago. It was in um, September um, and it was moving from the unit. Um, at the bottom of our building um, to this unit, which is on mm. the top of our building into a smaller apartment. And uh, that we can just kind of like cram through like in maybe a week. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and when I first moved into this building, it was uh, shortly before the pandemic started. Um, and we were moving from like a very congested, very like, um, maybe it's not congested is the wrong word, but it was just like a very um, like tight downtown Manhattan neighborhood uh, of Nolita um, where you're just kind of accustomed to like very like small spaces and like paying a lot. And, uh, but you get the benefit of being able to walk 
everywhere and like go to, you know, amazing bars and restaurants. And like, we, we would, you know, walk over, would take us like maybe 20 minutes to like go over to the West village. Um, we were like right next to Soho. We could, you know, easily walk over to the lower East side and the East village. So like our access to everything that, you know, we love about New York city was like at our fingertips. And, uh, at some point we made the decision to, um, you know, leave that neighborhood and, and try to explore like a different part of the city. Um, and so we, we found this, you know, like amazing, um, place in upper Manhattan that, uh, you know, was close to the water and had uh, a lot more access to, to parks and, um, seemed to be also like a, a very good, um, apartment for, for having people over for entertaining and like, you know, having, uh, dinner parties and, uh, you know, like having people over for drinks. And so leading up to the pandemic, that was kind of our goal and like, you know, being able to right. entertain more and have pe people over. And, you know, we got all these like little, little plates for, you know, like, uh, brunch parties and like all the, all this different glassware. Like, uh, we got like two ice buckets, all this like random stuff for like entertaining. And then just a few months later, the whole city shut down and we really had to reevaluate, like, why are we in this apartment again? And so that's kind of why we, you know, downsized and then why it was such a no brainer for us to you know, sure. make this decision to, to go to Berlin and, uh, you know, live in, in Europe and just see, um, yeah, what opportunities are, are over there. So, yeah, I think that's, that's brave and cool, but I think there's also like, um, maybe some, like, like, I wonder if there's some motivation here too, from like the artsy engineering point of view of let's like, we're building this Berlin office. If we have us based, like existing engineers move to Berlin, maybe we'll like not have us versus them kind of attitudes occur or like maybe we can like bridge the gap between the offices. Is that something that, that you're interested in too? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, um, that same point has come up in recent conversations around like how we, um, construct, uh, our teams and, and like the makeup of our teams and how we really want to avoid, you know, having teams that are like all us or like all, um, Berlin or, you know, even like all Eastern time zone and try to kind of break sure. down those, those boundaries and, and really, um, kind of create some good habits on, on working in like a more asynchronous way and in a way that kind of allows for like multi-time zone, like multi-location, you know, based teams. So I think that's all very, very interesting. And I'm just, you know, really feel fortunate to be one of the engineers who's kind of going over there to kind of help um, expand our presence in Europe and uh, take a little bit of, you know, the, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to say that we're like bringing New York city culture over to Berlin, but like, you know, the New York city office has, I think been, uh, around for longer. Like it has, it has, have had more of a PDDE, um, you know, kind of makeup, uh, over the past several years. So, um, bringing some of that, like, you know, expertise and, you know, some of that, that culture, you know, over, I think is, um, is a good thing. Yeah, not definitely, you know, bleeds over whatever from, uh, you know, through Zoom, but uh, having some people in the office would help for sure. Like uh, the Berlin office now has way more, you know, people that started less than, I don't know, like three, four months ago or something. Mm -hmm. So it would be very nice to have, you know, three or four or more engineers that have been for a while uh, at Artsy and that, you know, not, not bringing, you know, the US uh, culture, but more like the Artsy culture, let's say. So that's nice. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
trying to spread that around. And there is a London office, and I think that you will eventually work out of that office, Pavlos. It's just about the status of, um, you know, what's safe to do. Um, so I, I wonder, too, if you have any um, thoughts about, like, how you go from, like, kind of a really remote work setup to being back in an office. Um, I'm fully remote. Like, there's no Minnesota office. Um, so I just wonder if you have any ideas there about, like, how, yeah. how that will change or what, what, what you can do there. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely interested in seeing what, you know, what happens with this because a lot of things are still in the air. Uh, with the office um also it's just me and david as the engineers here so we don't have you know too many people um but it is still nice to be able to work with david sometimes like you know pairing but like next to each other you know uh, so definitely that would help um it seems like for you know the foreseeable future we will be you know working from home uh which you know works fine um, and even later, like even when we have an office, I feel like probably we would do like half half or something like that with office and house, um, just because you know we it it's it has proven to be something that that works well uh, for a bunch of people, uh, and definitely David and me are in in that that group. Um, so yeah, seeing that you know we don't have uh, more engineers in the in the office here. Um, yeah, it's basically up to us to, you know, make it work for us. Does that make sense? Yep, totally makes sense. Um, speaking of making sense, Pavlos, uh, you wrote a blog post about how you name your devices. So I'm just totally switching gears here. Yeah. Um, can you tell us what the naming scheme is and give us some examples? Yeah, <laughs> I loved uh, that segue. <laughs> um, yeah, so I do have uh, a very nice, uh, for me, uh, device naming scheme. Um, yeah, it doesn't have a name. I guess you could call it colors, you know. Um, but basically, this this whole idea started, you know, when I had like a computer and a second computer and like a phone and then replaced that phone, blah, blah, blah. So everything, you know, was just called Pavlos something or Pavlos whatever. Whatever um, the default is, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, first of all, this, like, you don't see this very often. Uh, only other people see it when, you know, they need to send you something over there. Um, but also on the terminal, like, you see this all the time, right? Because it's over there. Um, so, yeah, I decided to find something better for me. Uh, so I was looking around, uh, found some, like, friends had, you know, names of, like, physicists or engineers or whatever. But I wanted something that, uh, I can like generate on the fly, you know, so I don't have to like Google for a new name. Um, and also something that would be more interesting to me than just, you know, someone else's name. Um, so I kind of decided, you know, colors are, are interesting to me and colors are probably easy to generate a name for. Um, so yeah, that's how it's, it started. Um, have you had to move from primary to secondary colors yet or uh, any strategy <laughs> on... <laughs> Yeah. transitioning from like one level of specificity to the other <laughs> yeah i mean i do i do have something like that and it will be i don't know have you have you read the have you seen some of my examples devon no not yet yeah okay so so very very simple you know i started very simple uh so i had you know my first phone i i added was red and then the next one was black you know and then purple just because you know 
colors that I like. Uh, but then after a point, I kind of decided, you know, this needs a little bit more structure. So my my I decided that my phones should get like these primary colors. And so I decided, you know, let's keep the black for the for the phones. Uh, but then, you know, I already had the black called a phone called black. So my next one that was an iPhone 10, it had, you know, it was iPhone X, iPhone 10. So then I just named it Black, but replaced the C with an X. So it was Black, but, you know, still red as Black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then, you know, from there, it just became kind of weirder and weirder. Uh, so, you know, the next, the next, um, again, the next iPhone, uh, I wanted to keep it, you know, uh, in, in that area with like black order. Uh, but I couldn't find anything interesting, so I decided to go f- with blank, you know, which is sounds mm. <laughs> close to black, but it's the opposite color. Um, so that was, a, you know, a fun little thing. And then I wanted to still keep it like that, uh, and I couldn't rem- I couldn't find, a, you know, a nicer name for white or blank, so I decided to call it Royal Blank, <laughs> just because, you know, that's an, an extra level of thing, you know? I mean, if, if CSS can name colors whatever they want, I can do the same, right? That's right. So I also have a naming scheme. Okay. Um, and mine is tied back to my love of comic books, and specifically X-Men. So... My computers and phones are all named after X-Men characters. I'm currently on a laptop I'm calling Juggernaut. So I've moved, I've, I've like exhausted all of the main X-Men characters and now I'm like on villains. My previous machine was Magneto. Now I have Juggernaut. <laughs> what's the what's the plan there when you run out of this? I have, I have no plan. Like I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because at this point, I don't know, have I had like maybe seven or so iPhones and mm. you know, maybe four laptops. Like, you know, you kind of start running out of names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one, one uh, interesting one that I try to do and I still try to do is uh, I try to like separate the, um, the same way I do for phones. I do for work laptops or work devices, mm. I guess. Uh, so I used to work for a company that was doing, you know, football related stuff. So then I, it was, you know, called green. And then it was another one that was um, like mental health related stuff. So it kind of became like, uh, you know, cyan kind of like light blue, uh, you know, situation. Uh, And now for for Artsy, um, it's called the Lavender because it's like the closest, you know, to purple or whatever, you know. Artsy purple. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. I, I, (laughs) I, I was having this conversation about this scheme or having a scheme even with, uh, you know, friends and family. And uh, the first reaction was, uh, you know, <laughs> a very big laugh. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I, you know, every time I I need to send them something and I see, you know, Katerina's iPhone and Katerina's iPhone Max and Katerina's iPhone whatever, I'm like, which one do I send it to? You know, just give me a color <laughs> or something. <laughs> I'm interested to see how far away from black your mobile phones are, are going <laughs> to... Head towards like uh, what's after Royal Blank. <laughs> yes, yeah, stay, stay tuned. I, I am uh, having the same question myself, so we'll see. Do you do you use something like that, Devon? Do you have like you know, or is everything Devon's? You I know? feel like my naming convention is way less interesting, and it usually is you know my first name, and then like some combination of like the 
um, the device and then maybe the operating system and that kind of, you know, like I only have like one phone, so I'll, I'll just call everything Devin hyphen phone and, you know, I'll retire the, the, the last one. And, uh, I think I have like, you know, Devin hyphen MBP for MacBook pro and then like, you know, Devin, right. um, you know, hyphen, you know, pop OS or, you know, Ubuntu or, you know, Arch or something like that. Um, yeah, I guess I, I feel like, you know, I, I treat my, my devices more as pets than, uh, than cattle, you know, <laughs> like that, uh, that engineering, um, pattern of, uh, when you have like a bunch of cloud infrastructure, you don't, you know, give your servers, you know, very meaningful names. You just like, you know, have something that's auto-generated or, you know, cause you expect them to not be around forever. Um, whereas like, I feel like my laptops and my phones, like I end up you know, having them for like, you know, maybe three years or, or more. So um, I feel like my devices like inherit the same name and there's like a, a generational, you know, transition that takes place. Um, and I'll always have a Devon hyphen phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard of this. Uh, how, how did you call it? The, the pet versus, what was it? I've never heard of that before. Pets versus cattle, oh, you know, cattle? like uh, how on, on yeah. farms, um, well, you know, small farms, you know, uh, where they're not, you know, processing, you know, uh, them for, for the meat industry, you know, they'll have names for their cows, you know, like Lucy or uh, Genevieve mm. or, you know, Frank or, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, uh, if you're like a huge corporation, you're like Purdue and you're like processing, you know, like thousands of, yeah. of like, you know, cows, like every week, you don't give them, you know, names like Lucy. It's just like a number, uh, cause you know, unfortunately like, like servers in AWS, they're, they're disposable. I feel like this took a dark turn, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> How can we redirect ourselves to something a little more light? Um, so, so I believe that the CX team, Pavlos, is working on an Android application. And so this has caused yourself and other engineers on your team to start like booting up on that, um, you know, some of those workflows, some of those new processes and procedures. Um, have you found that interesting, difficult, maybe both? Um, any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I definitely I would say both. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely interesting because uh, it's been it's been you know um, I feel like even before I joined Artsy, this has been you know an idea for a long time to have uh, an Android uh, application finally, um, and it's great to see it you know happening basically uh, and be part of that. Uh, but it has definitely been you know a, a big process that needed planning before starting and you know a lot of effort during this um we had a lot of ios specific things that i mean we only had the ios uh, applications so obviously everything was specific but we had a lot of native as well um a native code so it has been a big effort but, but you but had react native so it was easy right exactly yeah no it, it was but uh, you know it, it was it was easy but it was a lot it was a lot of code I mean, yeah, for example, we had, um, I don't know, like for the, the, the onboarding and a lot of navigation and a lot of uh, like just screen handling in general was native and it wasn't too hard to move it to TypeScript, but it was just something that we didn't dedicate time to do before just because we didn't need to, I guess. 
maybe no good reason to do it, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't been something that uh, was terribly, you know, hard or difficult, but it has been something that was kind of brought in the, you know, in the high priority uh, list uh, just because it will be very helpful or, you know, enable the Android application. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's been very interesting. I have a general question about this. Mm-hmm. Um, Eigen is the name of the repository for our, historically, our iOS application. Is that where the Android code lives today? It is. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it is already in master. A bunch of the code is already mm-hmm. there. And it's open source also, so people can go check it out. Right, exactly. Um, and the plan is that, um, yeah, we, we will... We basically have the the iOS stuff over there. We now have the Android as well, and uh, soon we want to kind of adapt the the regular React Native structure. Uh, so you know, one folder for Android, one folder for iOS, and kind of one folder for all the TypeScript stuff. Um, That's cool. So yeah, we're going closer to the you know the regular pattern, I guess. <clears throat> I'm curious to like follow up on on John, like uh, you know, saying you know that. You know, we have React, React Native. Like, uh, you know, this is this is part of the the marketing pitch. You know, that you can the dream. Um, yeah, you can build both like iOS apps and Android apps uh, using the same tools and the same uh, language. But, um, Pablo, so I'd be really interested in like your thoughts on like, is this really like a write once, run anywhere situation, or is it more like mm-hmm. a learn once, write? You know, yeah. for any platform because I think there's like a particular difference um, in those those two you know approaches that these kind yeah, of frameworks take. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say um, for me, I think that I mean, you know, definitely, if you learn it once, uh, you know, run it everywhere is you know the the official motto, and I totally agree. Uh, but I have found that in in our code. Um, I would say more than like 90% of the TypeScript code that we were running on iOS, it works uh, with no changes on Android. Uh, so there have been only a few places where we needed to make adjustments by by platform um, or uh, temporarily disable things just until you know we have everything uh, the way we want. Uh, so yeah, I, I would definitely say that you know more than 90% of our TypeScript code is you know write once uh, run uh, in both platforms, yeah. which is great. It's great, and I feel like um, the native code that we ended up moving to TypeScript has been the same. Has been very easily mm. um, like yeah co- converted from Objective C or cross platform to to TypeScript. Yeah, and then like no changes runs both. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I'm thinking like particularly like all the authentication screens um, has been something that was written natively for iOS that uh, mm. now is being ported over, right? Yeah, exactly. That was one of the big parts of the, the native code and also uh, auctions. Um, and yeah, I think uh, we are we are very like at a very good place with with uh, with all of that stuff, all of the native native code. Stepping back to a little bit to give listeners a little bit more context, we do have a couple um, 
good things about our architecture that are kind of helping you here where we have, there's a package called styled system and we have a design system we built on top of it called palette. And so those components cross the web uh, iOS boundary, but then also into Android as well. And so you have this like library of components you can pull in. We also use a GraphQL orchestration layer. And so from a networking point of view, there's also some shared infrastructure there where we, we we attempt to push lots of logic out of our clients and up into our orchestration layer so that, you know, you can make kind of like dumb requests and the client can kind of just whatever display J- JSON basically. Um, so, so I, so I'm thinking that some of those architectural choices kind of lent, lent itself to this, this, this path. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I wanted to say that Pilot has been like an interesting thing because it kind of started when I joined, at least, mm-hmm. uh, with web and iOS, and then kind of separated into the web part and then the mobile part that we pulled in. Uh, so now it will become, you know, web one thing and then iOS, Android another thing. And, you know, I, I would be interested in talking about this a little bit with both of you and see, you know, how you feel this would would be in the future. but. Uh, yeah, what what were you gonna say, Devon? Oh, just just following up on uh, John's mention of our like GraphQL uh, layer um, as something that I really haven't experienced uh, in in many other places I've worked. Like having you know uh, an API layer that takes like more client agnostic you know responses from some like upstream APIs and then just has more more expectations. I guess around like how clients will display, you know, different bits of information, um, and you know that has been like really useful in lowering the complexity of you know the the iOS app and the the upcoming Android app, but even you know web clients that use Relay to talk to the same GraphQL API. Um, so, yeah, definitely something that's useful. I can give an example here. So we have a my bids. Um, part of the iOS application. So if you are a collector and you have done some interacting with auctions, you might have uh, a rail in the iOS application that shows you what's currently at auction, the bids you've made, are you winning, losing, whatever. Like like there's some um, signed in experience that that is personalized to you based on your interaction with our auctions. So we recently relaunched our auctions landing page on web and one of our engineers, Chris, um, he, he's like, oh, this is great. I'm going to go to the iOS application. I'm going to like read through how they did it. And I can kind of like copy paste a little bit into the web um, and only to discover that there's actually an opportunity to push some stuff from the iOS application up into metaphysics, up into our orchestration layer so that that um, idea could 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 come to fruition. So anyway, he like does all this work to push that stuff up into metaphysics and then implements the kind of more dumb client on our new landing page. And now he's at the point where he's going to go back to the iOS application and extract some of that logic that was previously there so that we have parity on those clients. They're both going to be kind of pretty dumb and rely on the server for that. So, and then I'm like, in my ideal world, there'll come a time when we go to the Android app to do that same thing and get to leverage those extractions. 
Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I mean, in, in that specific case, you know, the Android one wouldn't need to do anything because the code yeah, would already be native. there. Yeah, React Native. <laughs> but, yeah. but I totally get the, yeah, like we, we've had this uh, a few times in Collector Experience as well. And it has been very nice to have um, Force, which is the, the, the web uh, part, uh, and Eigen um, being worked on by different teams, by different people, and then you know uh, we can basically just steal each other's <laughs> each other's code, or totally. like you said, yeah, if if, if needs uh, be, we can just like elevate the a logic or a specific tech or a specific you know uh, functionality to the layer above, which would be you know the GraphQL layer, um, so that the clients can just do you know do their thing and just ask something and uh, and have their data without having to keep track of like uh, specific implementations of a, of a tech uh, here and there and make sure that they're you know consistent. Uh, yeah, that helps. Uh, cool. Yeah, thanks for talking that through. Um, uh, and thanks for sharing some of the, the, the experiences of moving office or being in an office outside of uh, the, the US-centric um, New York office of Artsy. And um, yeah, I've enjoyed speaking with you guys. Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thanks, John. Thank you for, for having me. All right, friends. Until next time. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Artsy Open Source. Keep up with the Artsy Engineering blog at artsy.github.io. Thank you, Eve Essex, for our theme music. You can find her on all major streaming platforms. Until next time, this is Artsy Engineering Radio. Mm. Purple. Artsy purple. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.